There are two types of creative operations people, leaders and pretenders. One of the few things that will determine what side of that line you're on is how well you're leveraging data and metrics to operate and lead. Welcome to this week's episode of the Creative Ops Podcast. I'm so grateful that you've joined me yet again as I continue my journey of curiosity of all things creative operations. Today is the first episode in a series focusing on data and metrics. We're joined by Nicole Brown from Sella. She's gonna take us up to the 100,000 foot level and set the table on this critically important topic for the creative operations community. She'll be talking to us about why data and metrics matters how it allows you to move creative operations from a tactical posture to a strategic one, to move from order taking to being part of and shaping the conversation around individual projects and marketing initiatives, around technology stacks, resourcing, and budgets. She's also not gonna shy away from talking about the challenges, including the simple fear of data, the educational gaps, the technological hurdles. We're gonna be tackling all of these head on. She'll also be talking to us about the power of storytelling through data and using insights to empower you as a creative ops leader. Like I said, this is the first in a series of episodes focusing on data and metrics. On future episodes, we're going to dive deeper. We're going to roll up our sleeves for more hands-on how-tos. Think of it as a workshop series. On future episodes, we're going to be breaking down the complexities of data and creative operations into practical, actionable steps. So make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of those future episodes. Put on your seatbelt, strap in, keep your chair in the upright position as Nicole takes us up to that 100,000 foot level for that panoramic view on the importance and challenges of leveraging data and metrics and making sure that you start your journey on putting yourself on the right side of that line of creative ops leaders versus pretenders. All right, Nicole, what's your definition of creative operations? So the way I think about the creative operations function is we are looking to align the creative teams with what matters most to the enterprise. That mission, vision, what needs to happen for that mission and vision to be realized, outcomes we're trying to achieve, starting by aligning our efforts to the greater enterprise, what is success? And then making sure people, processes, and technologies are in fact set up to succeed, to reach those goals. And then finally, I think about that layer of what I call storytelling, but that's using data to tell the correct story of the department. And so that kind of connection between all of that. I love the fact that you're talking about aligning it with the outcomes of the enterprise. We've been hearing that come up much more recently, which has been candidly, a breath of fresh air to see in the creative operations community where we're talking more about what creative operations does and what creative does is really in service of the business. We heard that in Kate Sullivan's definition, Paul Nicholson's definition, really everyone's definition. And I would say that was absent in the early days of creative operations. Yeah. And it's a good segue into today's topic with you, which is all about data and metrics. Let's set a little bit of context for the audience. 
Give us your point of view at a 100,000-foot level of where are we at today with the use of data and metrics and creative operations, and where do you think we're going with it? If I can be candid, we're probably not where we want to be as a whole. I hear this often from clients, from people I'm talking to, is what do I need to measure? How do I have to measure it, right? This, this is not a simple thing to do, but it's such an important part of our story. So I think we all know that sometimes creative can feel misunderstood by the larger business. So it's, this is really our chance to tell this, the correct story of our business and help educate our leaders. Where we are now is starting to realize that we need to get the correct information to the correct people at the correct time to enable strategic partnership. When I talk about aligning to what matters most and telling the correct story, what we're really trying to do is move from order taker to strategic partner. Where we used to be, we were all reporting up to leadership. So we are doing what we say we're doing, but now we understand there are levels of data that we want to see. And that might be different data or maybe the way we're displaying it or the story we're telling. So there's absolutely to the business, making them understand our value. But then there is that manager level. How am I running my business? How am I being strategic to my partners? And then there is providing information to those closest to the project or the process, what I would call the doers, because they are in the best place to optimize and continually improve our processes. They are the closest to it. We want to be giving everyone the information they need when they need it to be very empowered to make decisions and continually improve the operations. That is great in terms of context. And I love some of the words you use there, like storytelling and strategic, because I think one of the biggest issues we have in the creative operations community, and I think data and metrics might be part of the answer. But one of the biggest issues is that creative operations is still very much seen as a tactical function. And you said it, order taking, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say most creative operations teams are still firmly rooted in being perceived as order takers, even though they're a critical part of that content machine, which is part of the marketing machine, which really ladders up into the organization's revenue machine, which is yep. how an organization expresses the outcomes that it's trying to achieve. I would agree with your initial statement that in the creative operations community, we're not where we need to be at in the use of data and metrics. Why do you think that is? I think it's a few things. One, I think there is a fear. It is a skill set to understand how to use data, right? So when I say tell a story, I, I'm not suggesting we don't tell a correct story, right? A, a true story. I'm suggesting a complete story. For instance, timeliness, say if you're looking at a timeliness metric. The truth is telling me how many assets I delivered on time versus late is not that meaningful. Tell me how many rounds were happening, right? Tell me how many entire project resets. There's multiple information there that I need to understand to do something to correct that. So I think one, we have an education that's needed around even operational metrics. I think we all know we all need some education on in-market performance. So how the assets we're creating are performing. Two different things, operational, how is our process working versus how are these assets performing in market? Then I think there's a fear. And I think that's a culture piece. What will somebody do with this information? Are my leaders telling the correct story of our business? Because they may take this data and interpret it in a way that's just not reality. We talk a lot about being the bridge between creative and the business. That's certainly the case with data. So one, I think there's a fear 
How is this data going to be used? If we think about operational data, we're probably also going to use that data for some kind of performance measure. Think about unconscious bias or unintended results you're creating. So if you're a firm and you bring in large accounts, there's a reward for that. But truly, 70% of the business may be made up of small and medium-sized accounts. So are you unintentionally sending a message to ignore those accounts, right? Or not go after those. But there's a decent responsibility if you're in charge of the metrics. It's hard because there's that technology piece. How do we collect and visualize the data? It's not the easiest thing in the world to do, certainly. And the other thing is that when we talk about getting everybody using the same project management tools. So the great thing about Creative Ops is a lot of our data is living in our project management tool. That's not necessarily the case if you're looking at in-market data where it could be coming from 25 different systems. But we know that we still have a problem getting our teams utilizing our tooling. There's a lot of things that come with that, but it's a real cultural thing to say, I'm going to create a culture of empowered people who understand and know how to use data. You're touching on a lot of really important topics. So let's peel away at some of the layers of the onion here. And I'm going to keep coming back to storytelling because I yeah. think very often data to me is a character. There's different types of data to collect and different stories to tell. You've got the strategic story to tell, the operational effectiveness story to tell, and you're telling those stories to different characters in the creative operations matrix, the people on the ground doing the work are going to care about different data stories than marketing leadership or executive leadership. And one thing that you're touching on that I think is key is there's an art to what data are we actually going to collect to tell the stories that we want to tell? What are the stories we need to tell in terms of the outcomes that we're trying to support for the business? Or KPIs, we want to re reduce review rounds by 10% in the next 12 months. And then the second part is, if you've collected that data that you need to tell the stories, how do you actually then clean up the data and analyze the data? And that's really up to the creative ops leaders. And I think we have creative operations leaders, and I think we have creative operations pretenders. And that might be a little bit controversial or, or impolite and certainly un-Canadian for me to say. Use that. And I think one of the things that separates the leaders from the pretenders is a strategic use of data mm -hmm. to position creative operations as a strategic function that it is, to get the right resources and to continuously drive that operational efficiency and effectiveness. So if I'm a creative operations leader and I want to continue to evolve as that leader, or I'm a pretender aspiring to be a leader, how are you guiding me through figuring out what data I should be collecting? What are the questions I should be asking myself? That's a great question. And you reminded me of something when you were talking. You mentioned AI is not going to take your job, but those that know how to use AI will. I think that's true of data as well, right? Yes. It's that the people... The true leaders are going to push forward because they understand how to use that data. When I'm working with clients and we are going to work on something we call a, a metric strategy, so we'll do hands-on engagement with them. And it's really getting at what should we be measuring? And the first session is all about identifying what matters most. So identifying five or six key areas of focus or outcomes. And if you don't have this and your organization doesn't have this, I think a great way to start, a really easy way to start is to 
create a SWOT analysis, looking at your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Like, what do you need to be keeping eyes and tabs on? During that step, it is so critical to get leadership buy-in at that point. Do they agree this is what matters? If you're missing that from your larger organization, and I think it's pretty common to see a mission and vision being tough for the creative teams to translate. How do they tie into that? So getting that leadership alignment, creating something and saying to the leadership, do you agree with this? This is how we will move forward, et cetera. So identifying what matters most is the most critical step in this. And then you can start to figure out, what do I need to measure? And then this gets a little more tricky because once you've figured out your performance indicators, right, that you're going to measure, let's just say, output, resource management, accuracy to your service level agreements. You have to identify every single data point. For instance, um, resource management might be the capacity you had versus utilization. Two pieces of data, right? One metric with two metrics within it. So you have to isolate down to the most granular level of data that you need to understand what you have to collect in order to visualize what you want to see. You want to see a nice heat map of where you're spending your time or a word chart, whatever the case may be of what you're trying to show, that doesn't just happen. There's a lot of work in there. So, so that's the second piece. That third piece is understand your data and users. So if you're going through this effort, you want this data to be maximized by the organization. I see so many teams, creative teams, who are privy to in-market performance data or once a year they're seeing it. And that is shocking to me. So the teams creating the work aren't understanding how it's performing and vice versa. We're not always sharing our operational information. So we wonder why people are asking us for things that we think is too costly or takes too much time. Well, we haven't shared that information. So understanding how others in the organization might use that data and then coming up with a strategy. But that is the process for me. When we talk about data, it can be a huge lift and it can be expensive. This is where you really want to front load that effort. Look to your project managers who are so beautiful at this kind of front loading a project, really identifying any risk, any dependencies, a timeline, a full charter. You want this to be a very well thought out effort because you also don't want to be going back and changing your performance metrics too much because you lose a lot of data and baselines which in and of itself is bad. But when we start to think about AI and future capabilities, we don't want to lose that information because that's what we're going to feed these AI tools of the future with. I want to double down on the story part of this and yeah. some of the things that you mentioned. Ultimately, nobody's going to look at rows and columns of data. And a lot of this is storytelling to mm -hmm. executives. I'm almost hearing you say you should imagine yourself at that meeting with the finance lead, with the marketing leader, whoever it is that you're going to, and what is the story you want to be able to tell? What are the questions they're likely to ask? What are the questions I want to be able to answer? And then you're working your way back to what is the data I need to collect to be able to tell those stories and answer those questions that these different stakeholders are going to ask. Absolutely. So we talked about identifying what matters most. And I also want to say, before I get into this really quickly, there is a difference between performance measures and targets and goals. Those will change all the time. And there's really good reasons we don't hit our goals and our goals should change. We just want the ability to monitor. So that operational performance, whether it be output, I'm not saying more output is better. 
And I'm not saying less is better. I'm saying we have to understand what is the intention of the organization. But one, you want to be able to look at the outcomes and understand, I know what we're going to need to monitor to understand if we're getting to those outcomes. And then certainly, what are you hearing when you go to those finance meetings, when you're in those leadership meetings, when you're talking to those closest to the process, what are you hearing? And that's why I say data end users. You want to share this finance. I intend to create this visibility into data. They might say, I need another view. And you talked about slicing and dicing, those isolation variables. That's where end users, I need to see it by region, the tier of work, the channel, whatever the case may be. You may not have thought about that. That might not be something you needed, but somewhere along the way, somebody needs it. It's helpful. So we want to consider that. What are the stories I want to tell to different audiences so I can answer questions that are going to matter to them? And as a leader, I'm able to understand what are the questions that finance wants answered? What are the questions that marketing leadership wants answered? What are the questions that the executive team may want answered, depending on what your situation is in your organization? And then I work backwards to go, what is the data I need to collect to be able to tell those? And that may end up influencing steps in a process to ensure that data is collected. And hopefully it doesn't become a burden on the people actually doing the work to input a bunch of data. Let's say I've done that as a creative ops leader now, and I'm collecting the right data. I'm able to answer the questions that different stakeholders can ask. And not just upstream, even downstream, individual creatives are genuinely interested in, I'm doing all this work. Is it actually having an impact on the business? Is it moving the needle? The second problem is I've got all this data, but I'm not comfortable slicing and dicing the data. But over the last year, we've all gotten this tool called ChatGPT, which has this feature called Code Interpreter, which for 20 bucks a month is a full-time data analyst in a box. Are you starting to see the organizations you're working with embracing tools like Code Interpreter, or are they still stuck in I need to be a data nerd or I need to convince somebody to give me budget to get a data nerd. And is that an unnecessary barrier now? I think it is still a barrier. We know we're going to embrace AI, but we want to be cautious and mindful about how we go about and do that. So that's no different than what you're talking about here. That's just across the board AI. These corporations are, we know it's coming, but we don't know exactly how to use it yet or, or when we should. So no to the AI, I'm not seeing that. I think that is a real challenge in this creative space to find folks who feel they can even successfully manage those roles. And let me say, I will count myself in that. I have often preferred to give headcount to a dedicated team where one, I, I may not need a full-time analyst, or maybe I do need a full-time analyst, but when I then when it comes to a scientist, I need a small portion. So I've been lucky enough to be in organizations where I can fund a head or hours on a team and I'll get multiple resources. But think about the development of those roles and the management of those roles can also be tricky for folks to wrap their head around. So I'm running this creative operations team, but growing these roles can be difficult. Nish, I think one of the things that we talked about was the use of project management tools. This is something that we're seeing the importance of getting tools that can actually report for us, spit out dashboards, et cetera, right. based on it. And then that's, that is a, something that's very common when we deliver a metric strategy roadmap. These are the things you have to change within your project management tool. You currently think about those isolation barriers, uh, uh, variables. You currently 
on your intake form, you're not even asking. So we're not even able to identify certain things. For example, what tier this project is. We have to add a spot in to identify the tier. It's configuring the tool, but what tools can we find that are going to make this as seamless as possible? Because I don't know many people that are comfortable manually manipulating data. And then our confidence starts to also go down in that data. I do wonder if we're going to start to see a sea change and if the opportunity for us in the creative ops community is to go where we really need to invest our time in growing as creative operations leader is, as you've pointed out today, is the thinking around what questions do we need to answer and what stories do we need to tell? So what data do we need to collect? We are seeing every creative operations stack is getting more complex. There's more tools in it. And there's certainly some organizations that use an all-in-one tool, but I'm starting to see more teams are using a greater variety of tools. And as you were saying, starting to tap into that in-market performance data, that's going to come from lots of other systems and sources. I wonder if it's more our skill sets around doing a better job of knowing what questions we need to answer and stories we want to tell, and then figuring out what data we need to collect and figuring out where the sources are. I wonder if we're going to start to see a sea change over the next couple of years. And if that's a discussion we need to be having around metrics in the creative ops community so that those leaders are really making metrics and data superpower and the analyzing part of it is no longer a barrier. You're absolutely correct in identifying a significant pain point for us. This is what I'm really excited about. How is AI going to help us with these current barriers we have? And certainly we have them outside of metrics and reporting, but how can we make this easier? Not just the education piece, I don't know that gets easier, but the actual implementation of right. reporting, et cetera. I want to take it a step past that and talk about beyond making it easier for us so we can, one, get in the game. And I'm so excited for AI tools that can actually in real time marry the performance and the end market. So imagine in your project management tool, you have a primary list of deliverables. And you have a ton of information in there. The dimensions, the placement, where quite a bit of information is housed in there. But imagine if the level of effort to create it is being tracked in real time because the level of effort can change on an asset. It can get more complex. It can get easier. And we often don't validate. We might say, I know what it takes, but I'm not validating often. And then think about how quickly in-market performance can change. So I'm an account manager and I'm requesting for a tier one campaign. Here are the usual assets that get requested for a tier one campaign, but it's educating you in real time. Your timeline won't allow for this, or it would have to be fast track. This is not performing to the threshold that you've set as acceptable. Imagine that, or even as an operations leader, I have to accomplish X next year. There's many ways I could go about do that, but imagine I'm able to feed my resourcing information, my volumes, the type of volumes, and it gives me scenarios. That's going to be really exciting. So I hope we have those conversations together. As we're just thinking about the next step, I hope we're thinking five steps ahead as well. I love what you're saying. What's really coming through for me is this idea and this growing conversation around intelligent decision management. So we've been talking for a few years around we need to be doing more with data and metrics and to better understand our own operational efficiency and effectiveness and impact on the business. 
And there's so much data that we are not collecting and leveraging, which really translates into there's a lot of value that we're leaving on the table. Just be able to do things better that's going to benefit all of us and the business. But it's hard to do that unless you're actually collecting this data, tying it all together, and you've got some sort of view to help you make smarter decisions. AI is just going to make that easier and make that go faster so that I as a creative operations leader and us as creative team can go, we've only got a certain amount of capacity. Data can help us determine how much can we actually do as opposed to just going on a hope and a prayer, which way too many teams still do today. And then they get into working overtime hours and burning people out and things like that. And I think more importantly, should we even be doing this? We've got five things we can do. And one of those things is likely to have a bigger impact in market, but it would mean pushing the other four things off. But let's do that one thing because is it having an impact on the business? Maybe. I don't know. And with data, you transition across that river over to the strategic side. It is all about getting to that strategic side. The fastest way to increase operational maturity is having data so that because you can understand your business and you can see what needs to change and if your changes are having impact. I see a lot of people doing great things that just don't have the impact they should because everybody's doing their own thing. And it really just aligning those teams, like this is going to be our focus in alignment with the enterprise's focus. And we are really going to move needles. And then next year, we're going to jump to this space and just experimentation and failing fast and all these things we hear about that make a great culture of continuous improvement, very hard to do if you don't have data to back that up. It's to improve the process and how people are able to work. It's to improve outcomes and impact on the business. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are scared of data because they think, oh, this is just going to be used to shine a bright light on what I'm doing wrong. And I'm sure you've seen teams who use data as a, I'll use the word punishment mechanism and creative ops teams and, and leaders who really use it to help us individually and as teams move forward and do better. Before I get into an example, I just want to talk about how empowering it is to be able to improve the business. It's not a great feeling when you're in a role and you see so many things wrong and you can't make a change or you can't um, inspire leadership to make a change because you don't have the correct information. But when you have the correct information and you feel, I understand this information, I have a good idea, I'm going to run with it or I'm going to suggest it, you suddenly feel very empowered. That's a great feeling. An example of that, I came in to take a team, I won't mention what team it was, a few years back, and they had built this in-house design team and the directive was just do what's right for the business. So right there, I can tell you this is a group that doesn't have data. If the leader saying just do what's right for the business, that means we don't know. After getting in and meeting and talking to the creative team and talking to the team, I was surprised that more volume wasn't being run through the team, that the creative team loved and adored. And I was like, wow, that's surprising. There's, they're still sending quite a bit through agency. So I talked to the leader of this team and he said, once that team gets better, we'll drive more through. And I'm like, what do you mean better? And he said, we're still seeing a lot of rejections coming out of that team. I knew that wasn't true. 
But really what it was is they had a system, and a lot of people have this, where when the team receives an intake request, there could be 50 or 60 individual assets in that one request. Yet the system is not able to individually, there's no child-parent relationship. So we can't individually look at any of those assets. So if one gets bounced back, it will count 60 as bounced back, right? When I was able to explain this to the leader and say, actually, we've manually pulled, they're at a 99% accuracy rate. Then the plan very quickly was to run millions and millions up to about $16 million of more work through that team. That is a significant error in, in understanding data. This is how critical it is. And, and when I asked the team, why would you push that forward, that data point? Because they were asking for something and that fear of not being able to give them something, right or wrong. So as leaders, we have to come in and say, we immediately are stopping reporting that metric. And if you get pushback, we need to see something. What we're not going to see is something wrong. That's dangerous. So data can be really dangerous. And so imagine how empowered this team felt when they were like, oh, everybody in the organization now understands how good we are, how valuable we are, et cetera. And just one data point was skewing that whole information to the organization. There's a huge responsibility when we start talking about being the storytellers of that data. The $16 million mistake, even for a large organization, is going to get noticed. And it's great that data got them into making that mistake, but then the correct way of looking at that data after you went in allow them to correct that mistake. I think it just highlights creative ops leaders versus pretenders. Being a good steward of data is being a good critical thinker. And I think creative operations leaders, that is part of the skill set stack that is required so that you not only know what data to collect to be able to answer the types of questions that you're likely going to be able to answer and answer the questions that are unexpected as well. Yeah. So you've got broad and deep enough data to do that. But also then critically think through, even if you've got a data nerd or ChatGPT analyzing the data, does the analysis sound right, seem right? That's the job of the creative ops leaders to provide that gut check and apply their critical thinking skills to that as well. And I would say for anybody who's used ChatGPT, you don't just take it at face values. There will always be that need to say, is that even correct in the first place? And second, when we are reporting dashboards and reports, we always want to leave that space for narrative because that's yes. so important. As leaders, the education to the business is critically important. And I don't want to say that in creative operations, we really focus on balancing effectiveness and efficiency. I am sure many other teams and groups do, but it does feel like that's a really important part of our role. So we want to be able to explain the numbers don't look the way we thought because, and we want to add that level of education to the organization. For instance, if your company is really focused on gaining customers and you realize as an operations team, you need a CX operational transformation. We need to change the way we work to be able to respond to the insights we're gleaming from customers. That could completely change the way somebody thinks a metric should look. Oh, you don't look as efficient. We are much more effective. Explaining that and what that means, because it's so easy to look at a metric and be like, you should be saving money, you should be saving time. Not necessarily. 
the creative operations world has long been rooted in the job of scale and speed mm-hmm. and cost effectiveness, especially for in-house teams when they're being benchmarked against, well, why don't we just send this out to an agency? And that made sense for a long time because creative operations grew out of, we need more content to fuel a increasingly growing and fast-paced marketing machine. So more campaigns and more quickly because of the way marketing has evolved, especially over the last 10, 15 years. Oh, this is a project management problem and solution. And I've said this and I'll continue to say it, creative operations is we're in our teenage years now. It's still perceived as this project management tactical service versus the strategic function that it is and that it needs to continue to grow into. And your point about efficiency and effectiveness is well taken because efficiency still matters. And That's always going to be there, but it needs to be balanced with and prioritized against effectiveness. Is this actually moving the needle? I think as we're moving into this age of AI, where we're soon going to have buttons where we're going to be able to scale content to infinite and move at the speed of light, storytelling is coming back to the forefront where creative, the kind that the old school ad people we're known for like the David Ogilvy's and the other legends of creating great copy and visuals and things like that. That's going to matter more than ever before. Just break through the noise of this tsunami of content that's being put out there. Like you and I as individual consumers are increasingly tuning that out. So storytelling, which is really effective. Can you connect with your customers mm-hmm. or your prospects? With those great visuals, that great copy, that great video clip, whatever else it might be, effectiveness matters. But on that point, what I often hear from creative ops leaders is we don't have access to that marketing data. Are you finding that's an issue or do you think that's an excuse? I think it's a real issue. I think it's complex. I think there's another issue is that not everybody's even sure what is right to be looking at. There is that education piece on the in-market side as well. This is complex. And there's so many data pieces. And how do they move together? If you're looking at an omni-channel experience, what are you going to look at and why? And making sure all of your partners understand this is what we look at and why, right or wrong, you've got to pick a strategy and start working through it to understand maybe if you need to evolve it. There's a lot of things at play, but I think the complexity of all of this information being in different systems is not going to be an easy one to solve. I've lived on the data analytics side and often it'll be, yeah, we've got a lot of data, but we're not actually sure if we could trust this or what does this mean? Or how do you marry up data from different systems? I don't think AI is a solution for everything, but some of what I'm seeing in market, there's going to be a lot more capabilities coming at us to be able to clean up that data and marry that data and actually then use that data. Because ultimately, we don't want to be data engineers. We just want to have the data, trust the data, and leverage the data. And you made me think of another thing as the creative team led by the creative ops leaders or adjacent to them. As they want to leverage data more and be rooted not just in efficiency, but also effectiveness metrics in terms of how that creative is performing, they're going to have to be able to go to the marketing team who has all those systems collecting that data and influence what data they're collecting. Any sort of thoughts that you've seen in market where the creative ops leader has gone to the marketing team and 
influence the data they are collecting so it can allow them to start to model out effectiveness. We're starting to see dedicated roles within the creative teams or the marketing that are dedicated to understanding in market performance and sharing it. I would say this is a bit of that reverse of that data end user. The teams owning that data should really be talking to creative what would be useful to you. But also, a lot of times when we do process work, we don't necessarily make your process faster. We correct it. And this is, this is something we see often is there's not that space for reviewing retrospectives at the end, right? Where, you, where it is very thought out. This is what we're looking at. This, so this doesn't become a, a situation of a so-and-so was late, which caused us to be late, that we are looking at specific data points and we are making sure we have the right people in the room to have strategic conversations. Making sure in that project retrospective, maybe you're not just understanding where we're on time and where we're on budget, but looking at the end market performance, understanding the process, what happened, and coming out with how do we do better next time, action items. We are slowly starting to see some dedicated roles in very large organizations, but it's also about who is responsible for that right now and making sure that you're having those connections. What is our intention of this meeting and making sure that is happening? Because if we're just doing the same thing over and over again, another example is optimization. We see so many people that we don't have time to optimize. Well, what are we doing if not optimize? We went through that whole effort to create assets if we're not evaluating how they're doing and doing a very quick process at the end, what are we doing? So we have to really think through what it means to be strategic. It's often the barriers to this are organizational alignment and where creative operations sits, which very often in a lot of organizations sits under a creative director who quite frankly, like a creative director with an operational mindset it's a bit of a unicorn. So a few meta points as we're sort of wrapping up here come out at me. One is tying creative operations to the outcomes that matter in the business, which is really probably much more closely aligned to marketing KPIs and metrics. And the funnel ultimately is probably what it's tied to. The efficiency metrics still matter because time to market, God knows, is more critical than ever before. And maybe there are some barriers for sure. One is Humans in general are just uncomfortable dealing with data. It's just foreign to us. But I think your advice around, it's really about being able to tell stories and answer questions, driving forward through narrative and storytelling. And I think one of the issues is creative operations leaders need to get much more comfortable with the art of storytelling with data, answering questions with data, and understanding then what data to collect and the critical thinking skills of how to work through that process. And then bucket number two, as we've talked about, is the complexity of collecting that data, trusting that data, marrying that data together. That's possible today. A lot of work is required. There's tools that are already available, more that are coming that are going to make that easier. But then maybe the third bucket is in organizations of all sizes, there's politics involved. And often just getting access to that data or influencing what data is collected that you need to be able to tell the stories you want to tell and answer the questions you want to answer. Maybe creative operations needs to sit somewhere else in an org chart than where it typically does today. 
Yeah. We're seeing a lot of creative operations centers of excellence sitting outside. And there's that real definition, which I've heard multiple times, and I think it's a good one, the difference between being in the business and working on the business. When you talk about project management, being confused with creative operations, I always think about that difference. And so if you slice it like that, creative operations is working on the business versus teams that are maybe working directly on assets, et cetera, that sometimes that can help how yeah. we view where they should sit, et cetera. But again, think about their role and their job and you want to put them in a place where they can succeed. That's a, a excellent point that you bring up is considering that. Maybe they need to be more closely aligned with the marketing org because ultimately creative operations is about delivering efficient and effective creative to fuel the marketing machine. It's so funny to me because so much of what creative operations, if done correctly, is doing impacts marketing. So think about a prioritization strategy. So we want to see prioritization happen before it gets to the creative team. They'll put another layer of prioritization, how to handle the work, but what is actually being requested? If we're all aligned as a business of what takes priority, so we don't have people running to the crate, could you do this? I know we're not supposed to. Those type of things we see all the time. That prioritization strategy has to happen from the top of marketing down or it doesn't work. So much of what creative operations actually does is further up the funnel. I can't tell you the times I've been engaged to work on process with a client. The process that we're working on isn't what needs to be fixed. It's much further up the funnel. If you are effectively accessing and leveraging that data, you may get a bunch of requests in. Marketing is going to ask for what marketing wants. And depending on the culture of the organization, they're just going to go, we want these things. Mm -hmm. But if creative operations is actually tapping into the data it has in terms of efficiency and that effectiveness data in terms of in-market performance, and how long does it actually take to do project A versus project B, it can become a conduit for that prioritization and influencing what gets done and what doesn't get done, what gets done first and what gets put on the back burner. And I think that allows through data, creative operations to move from tactical and trying to just figure out how do we do as much as we can as quickly and trying more things through the funnel as opposed to going, how do we do as much as we can that's actually going to have an impact on the business and move the needle forward and partners with marketing and go, hey guys, great idea, but what you're asking for takes this much effort and it's not going to have a big enough impact, which is really return on investment. There's a ton that you've offered here that the listeners will be walking away with. In closing thoughts, what advice would you sort of leave for two people that are listening? One person that's not really doing anything with data and metrics today, what's your high level advice for them? And then for the individual who is doing something with data and metrics today and is continuing that journey, what would be your advice for them? So for somebody who's not using data today, but understands the need for it, education. I know I've written probably five or six blogs and a white paper. There has never been easier before to get education in these areas, right? There's so much great information out there. Start with that education. And, and what I tell people is even if you're not measuring, start to develop what a metric strategy would look like. 
and, and understand where your gaps. Look at a maturity model for measure. Where am I now and where do I have to be? What do you wish you had today? I, I always ask people this question. What information, if you had today, would make your job easier, better? Yep. So that's a great place to start, right? And not just yourself. Ask your immediate team. That is a really powerful visual to understand, okay, I might not know how to progress, but I can start to educate myself and learn a bit and start getting it on paper. And you're going to evolve over time if you make it a priority. You're going to find people to talk to, read articles that are going to make you think about something in another way, but start that education process. And there's so much great information out there. It's not all on you. Other people are going to have input into it and they're going to be able to highlight things that they care about knowing and, and why, which is going to influence your thinking. And ultimately, as the creative ops leader, it's your job to figure out, here's what we need to be able to answer with data. So that second person, that real creative ops leader is already leveraging data. What's your advice to them as they continue their maturity with data? It's just the process and technology and people were looking to continuous improve, right? So you have your data, but where, where are the gaps? Where do you have too much, right? There's that Mark Twain quote, data's like garbage. You better know what you're going to do with it before you start collecting it. How efficient am I being in my data management? Where are potential gaps? But where are we going in the future? How will I use this data for AI tools that don't even exist yet? We as leaders can start to imagine what would be useful. I have 10 requests right now of what I, what I want a tool to be able to do. And we as leaders have to be the evolution of the next steps. I would say, make sure you're part of that conversation. We may not know what data we're going to use down the road. Exactly. So it might benefit that leader who's already on that data maturity path Yeah. and continue to think about, should we keep collecting it? Because we may be able to feed in something down the road. Yeah. And maybe that's an opportunity to do some future crystal ball gazing of what questions may I want to answer down the road? And do I actually need to expand the amount of data I'm collecting as all the tools we're using are getting smarter about just collecting data in the background? That probably becomes easier and cost effective to do because you're not placing a burden on us as individual humans in the process to collect that data or fill out a spreadsheet at the end of the day or the week or anything like that. For true creative op leaders, it is also our role to be educating the future leaders behind us on how to use information. Yep. But that can get overwhelming. I might be collecting that data because I might need it in the future, but I'm not reporting on it because I am very consciously controlling the amount of data or what my team sees in order to coach and develop. Data is such a significant responsibility for operations. That's a good place to wrap up. And we're definitely going to have you back again and again and again to continue to talk about data because I firmly believe it is one of the primary blocks in a creative ops leader's skill stack that yeah. they're going to need. It's going to become increasingly important moving forward. And I believe it is what separates the pretenders from the true creative operations leaders. And one of the key ways in transitioning your creative ops team from being perceived as a tactical service bureau to the strategic function that it is and should be perceived as and invested into as. And I'd love to talk more on future episodes about how do you educate others in your organization about understanding the data and how they and their individual role are able to leverage data, whether they're a creative, a project manager, a marketer, anybody else. I'm looking forward to those future discussions.
As am I. Nicole, you've dropped a bunch of great advice and wisdom today. And as we ask every guest on every episode, who would you like to hear from and learn from on a future episode of the Creative Ops Podcast? Okay, this is a little aspirational. That's my style. I'm reading a book called The Digital Transformation Playbook by David L. Rogers. It's, it's fascinating on many levels, but I really love his perspective. When we talk about a lot of topics that are complex, like what we've talked about today, change management is such a, a tough piece. And if we're talking about tooling adoption, we always hear, oh, well, they don't, they're not using it. My team's not using it for this and that reason. And I loved his perspective on people having an enormous capacity for change, right? Because we're often getting, I think, stuck in our own narrative. Change is so hard. And, um, and talking about that moving from subject matter expert to data informed, there was so many great topics that just gave me a different perspective on a lot of things I think we struggle with. So this is not a creative operations person, but we need to get a little bit out of our space to really learn something or just take a fresh breath at our approach or our problems. So I would love uh, to hear more. I love that suggestion. And I think you're bang on change. And I know we've mentioned AI so many times today, but <laughs> like AI is going to change everything. And yeah. I know a lot of people are sort of paralyzed by the enormity of AI is going to change everything. But I actually think it's so incredibly exciting because change can be exciting if we just approach it with curiosity and creativity, which are innately human qualities. But yes, we will see if we could get Mr. Rogers. Can't wait to listen. All right. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for doing this with us today. Thank you. That's a wrap for today's episode. Remember to please do three things. Number one, head over to creativeops.fm and slide up to that companion newsletter. Number two, whatever your favorite podcast player is, please hit subscribe. Search for Creative Ops, all one word, Creative Ops Podcast. Make sure you don't miss the next episode. And remember, number three, this isn't just my trade curiosity. This is our journey of curiosity about all things creative ops. So if you've got a question or maybe a different perspective about what you heard today, or maybe you just want to share something that you're curious about, drop me a line at nish at creativeops.fm. Thanks so much. And I look forward to catching you at Creative Ops Water Cooler for next week's episode.